As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. The Ask N.T. Wright Anything podcast. Hello and welcome to Ask N.T. Wright Anything. I'm Peter Byram. This week, we're replaying an episode from June 2020. Tom answers listener questions on heaven and new creation. Will free will still exist? Do near-death experiences tell us anything about it? Will we be reunited with our loved ones and even our pets? Do visit premierunbelievable.com for more content, and you can register there for access to the whole website and for our newsletter, which will give you updates and exclusive content as well. So that's premierunbelievable.com. Well, you join us again for another edition of the show as we ask your questions this week about new creation and some questions about animals and heaven Um, and the the phrase heaven i'm sure (laughs) will come into question as well um and given that we are going to be talking about pets and animals i i I was wondering have you ever had pets or anything tom in in your actually not much um we when my kids were younger they were they went through a rabbit phase okay Um, and uh, as I've heard people say in other contexts, they were nice when they came and they were nice when they went. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice when they went. And, and, and there, was, there was some good stuff about that. But um, uh, because of allergies in the family, etc., we've never had either cats or dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the way it is. I, yeah. I'm sometimes jealous of people who do because yeah. it looks fun and interesting yeah. in another dimension. And likewise, we've never um, been in the position where we could have, you know, ponies for the kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. We've just mm-hmm. never done that. Yeah, I, I have to say we're, we're of a similar sort. We've um, the the pets that we have at home are the least. Um, take the least amount of work you can imagine they're two leopard geckos right. and they, they they're native to pakistan but they live in a little vivarium in our and and you can go away for a week and not worry about them because they store all this fat in their tail and as long as they've got water um they're fine and you just feed them once or twice a week with live grasshoppers that's right. what we put in oh, it's I all, see. I it's, see. and it's great fun watching them stalk their prey when they do it oh, but great. they're very low maintenance and that works well for us um we, right. we our right. lives don't really extend to having a, a high right. maintenance sort of pet so, so um that's uh, that's our uh, our uh. perspective on this but many people are very attached to their, sure, to, sure, to their pets and animals almost you know like extended families so we'll, we'll come yep. to some of those yep. questions later but let's start off because we mm-hmm. you're well known tom for for your work on what's often called new creation mm-hmm. a new way of understanding what that mm-hmm. kingdom is to mm-hmm. come how we're meant to understand the language of heaven and so on but here's someone who i suspect is rather at the beginning of starting to grapple with your work Mm -hmm. here priscilla in michigan Mm -hmm. has got in touch says i'm 72 and the older i get 
and the more I'm worried about dying. Mm. I've always believed in heaven and I would have me a home by the sea with all my dogs and loved ones. But how do I know for real when I die, I will enter heaven? Where is everyone that has died? Are they still alive somewhere? I have a friend who's an atheist and believes death is the end of us. I don't believe that. Everyone tells me I have to have faith and because it says to do so in the Bible. I've read the Bible. I know what it says. But is God going to punish me for questioning? Why can't my dead loved ones communicate and tell me where they are? Am I losing my faith? So there's a lot of stuff wrapped up there in Priscilla's question. But an overall sense of obviously being a bit scared sure. of what's sure. actually on the other side and what does she yeah. how can she know she'll yeah. be safe yeah. and, yeah. and what absolutely will it look like? i want to say to priscilla um you, you're only a few months older than me and right. uh, <laughs> uh, these are perfectly good questions you're not losing your faith and god is certainly not going to punish you for questioning god has given us minds to inquire um, although as gk chesterton said the purpose of an open mind is like the purpose of an open mouth namely to shut it again on something solid <laughs> so let's see if there's something solid in here um and though you obviously have read the Bible, the trouble with so many uh, Bible readings in our day in the Western world, as I go on saying, um, <laughs> is that we assume that the question is about what happens to me after I die and is there a place called heaven and will I get there? But the whole point of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is that the God who made the world wants to bring heaven and earth together and to come and live with us in that new creation. So the point is not to leave this world and go to somewhere called heaven the point is that with jesus and through his spirit heaven has come to earth and is if you like colonizing earth though earth is a bit recalcitrant and difficult and etc etc and the point about uh, the ultimate promises such as the end of revelation about the new jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth is not that we go upstairs but that god's reality comes down to meet us so that we have to think in terms of a biblical um, uh, forward look in which there is ultimate new creation which is a heaven and earth combination a tr- total transformation of everything and then in between our death and that new creation there is a mystery and the mm. bible is very reticent about that mystery so it's not surprising that people find it difficult to grapple with what happened and and really part of the conditioning of Priscilla and many, many others like her, and I meet this if I take a funeral, and Mm. people say, what I want to know is, where is he now? Where Mm. is she now? Mm. Because in the Middle Ages, they believed in purgatory, in Mm. the Western world anyway. They believed that um, when people died, almost everyone went into a place of of purgation where they were cleaned up which was very painful and difficult and it might last a long time and then eventually you might be allowed into heaven and the reformers in the 16th century said no 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 that that that's a catholic myth just to just to keep you uh, in your place and to um, stop you being bad um, actually death finishes everything that is wrong with you so that after death And they said, then you'll go straight to heaven. So as Karl Barth, the great 20th century theologian, said, the reformers never really sorted out their eschatology. They never really figured out how resurrection relates to the medieval vision of heaven. Mm. And the problem is with the medieval vision of heaven, which we have then tried to do in a different Mm. way in Western Mm. Protestantism. So I want to say, God will make a new creation in which the present creation and everything that is beautiful and powerful and lovely and glorious in our present world will be transformed and enhanced 
and celebrated in new ways that at the moment we can only just begin to glimpse mm. though we do see it a bit through the experience of human love through art through music mm. etc um uh, and so priscilla's lovely thing about wanting a home by the sea mm. with all my dogs and loved ones yeah I, I i get that but actually what we're told is that after death if we are uh, believers in jesus we will be with christ which is far better and mm. that's about it mm. paul says in second corinthians 5 something about being away from the body and at home with the lord mm. but actually longing not to be disembodied but to be re-embodied yes. he says not to be unclothed but to be more and, fully and, clothed and it, to give priscilla her credit there yeah, it, yeah. It, whatever she means by that phrase i'd love to have me a home by the sea yeah, with yeah, all my yeah. dogs she's recognizing that i like this aspect exactly. of reality I, I, exactly. I, I don't quite want to be a disembodied angel floating exactly. in a spiritual realm and, and and i think today there's a big reaction against traditional views of heaven of just sitting on a cloud playing sure. a harp forever yeah. and ever um you know there was the far side cartoon about the guy sitting there saying yeah i wish i bought a magazine yeah. um <laughs> and and and, uh, and and yes there are many atheists who believe that death is the end that's an ancient world view goes back to epicurus and others in the ancient world and humanly speaking, when you see a body either going through cremation or whatever, it looks as though that's it. Mm. And part of the message of the gospel, which goes deep, has deep roots throughout scripture, is that actually, no, the love of God is more powerful than death itself. And that in Jesus, we see that reality, which is spoken of in the Old Testament, coming to life. But then how we talk about the life between human death and human resurrection remains biblically speaking very mysterious there mm. are different images of which being with jesus is probably the best one mm. and in john 14 jesus talks about many dwelling places and that's a way of saying it's going to be okay i will look after you you may not you, you we don't have language at the mm. moment to talk about how he will look after us and the new testament interestingly never talks about a soul which goes to heaven um, some Jewish writers did, but the New Testament doesn't do that. No. Isn't that strange? Well, we're, we're going to ask you to sort of try mm. and have a guess <laughs> at what that foggy signposts are that are pointing yeah, into yeah, them, yeah. What, what that might look like, because people inevitably have questions about sure, what, what sure. this future new creation, how it will be manifest, what it might look like. Um, Michelle DeVitt yeah. um, actually comes in with two questions here. I'll go for the, yeah, for, yeah. For the resurrection of the dead yes, question yes. first. says, look, if my body has decayed, and my atoms have gone on to become other things plants even other people and inanimate objects how will i be reconstituted what is essentially me in this new resurrection yeah, yeah, place yeah. It, it's a wonderful question and this question was faced in more or less exactly those terms in the second century ad and mm. um, second and third century tertullian discusses it and origin discusses it and, and much later, C.S. Lewis picks it up in his book, Miracles, and he says, hey, you know, just as fingernails and hair and, and skin itself is all in a process of flux. It was, it was news to me when I read Lewis for the first time that our bodies change their entire molecular yes. kit roughly every seven years. Every seven years, yes. You know, I am, new I am not molecules. the same person yeah. physically at all that I was when I became professor in St. Andrews it, 10 it's, years ago. It's a ago. bit like that old philosophical puzzle about a boat leaves port and goes into another one a year later and in the meantime every single part of the boat has been <laughs> yes, refitted yes, yes, while it's yes. been, and is it the, is same, it the same boat, boat? that arrives? Like grandfather's old spade that's yes. had you know three new handles yes. and two new blades whatever is it the same spade, um, it yeah. the same spade? Um, 
and the the, the answer and, and Lewis has this lovely image he says we are to that extent like the curve in a waterfall there is continuity of form mm. but discontinuity of matter right. that matter is pouring through us mm. and so it's not a big deal for God to say oh now didn't you once own that <laughs> molecule and this molecule we'll be better and reassembled. if you took that to its literal conclusion there would have to be seven versions of you because well, of all it, the molecules it, it, that exactly, made you up exactly yeah. uh, and and uh, this <laughs> stuff is all shared around sure. you know we've got some grapes and bananas and bread on the on the table here and they use molecules which have been circulating and doing different jobs and mm. so on and that's how it is and if we're to believe in resurrection we are believing in new creation that god will give us an appropriate body which will be clearly and recognizably ourselves but much more so mm. the image that i've often used and is based on 2 corinthians 5 is that you, if, you, if you meet somebody who's been very um, sick, you might say, oh, poor old so-and-so, he's just a shadow of his former self. Mm. But the point is, if you are in Christ and dwelt by the Spirit, you are right now just a shadow of your future self, <laughs> that there is a real you yes. which is much more like you, a kind of a mm. vivid mm. in color and, yes. and so on version and of presumably you. presumably yeah. which Christ in his resurrected state gives us an image yes, of. of course, yes. which is why the resurrection appearances are so extraordinary, because... At the one hand, it is clearly Jesus, mm. but on the other hand, it's he different. seems to be changed. Mm. One of the most mysterious things in John twenty twenty one is when John says, none of them dared ask him, who are you? Because mm. they knew it was the Lord. You know, they'd been with him night and day for three yes, years. Yes, yes. They knew him perfectly well. They knew him better than I know mm, you. Mm. Um, but uh, there's a sense that it's you, but but, but you're different. And yet, um, obviously, physical too. There, there uh, are absolutely. pains to oh, point yes. that out. Oh yes, yes. Uh, very much so because they Not eat some and, ghostly. And, sort exactly, of, yeah. exactly. And this is the mystery of new creation. It's a heaven plus earth reality, and for us, it's very difficult to think of immortal physicality. Everything around mm. us, you know, these microphones, this paper, this table, yeah. you could break it all down. Mm. But actually, there will be an immortal physicality. Mm. The the sort of scientist in me. My dad's a biochemist. Um, wants to ask will that mean that in some way the the rules of physics change in yeah. this new creation i, I mean, don't know all I kinds don't know. of flights of fancy are going yeah, on at this I, I, point. and th those are perfectly fair questions but i don't think we really know no um the, here's here's mm. another interesting yeah. one from michelle i'll, I'll give yeah. her two bites of the sure. cherry um free will and mm. love on the new earth what will stop people from hurting others in this new mm. and renewed mm. world if there is still free will, which is required for meaningful love, <laughs> won't people be free to sin? What will make us different from the first humans who were given an opportunity to sin and chose to do so? Yeah, yeah. The book of Revelation seems to me to address this when it talks about Satan being released from bondage for a short time and then finally being thrown into the, into the lake of fire. It's a way of saying we can imagine the possibility that it would just be a cycle going round and mm. round and we'd sin again, etc. But actually, God is going to take care of that and i think the problem there lies with the with the with the understanding of free will that when i truly love somebody it's the most free thing that i do and in a true relationship of love there is wonderful freedom um, but the freedom is not freedom to to hurt them to slap them in the face to mistreat them that's an abuse of freedom not the use of freedom and i think i want to say there is a genuine freedom which isn't the random freedom of i can do what i like but it's actually free to be who we truly are so that there will be a true sort of freedom but w which will be expressed in 
an infinite variety of creativity. I mean, mm. unfreedom would mean we're just on a treadmill going round and round. Freedom doesn't mean I'm free to sin because sin is not um, is not freedom. Sin is a form of slavery. And so the, the, the notion of free will is a bit more complicated mm. than we normally think. Mm. Mm. Um, but I think, therefore, in the new world, what we will be and who we will be will be a glorious expression of the infinite creativity of God's love. Before we rejoin the rest of today's podcast, I have a very special offer for you to help you have an even more meaningful spiritual experience this Easter. As you know, N.T. Wright is without doubt one of the greatest Christian thinkers and apologists of our time. And some of Tom Wright's answers to questions about Jesus' death, resurrection and return are some of the most poignant and thought-provoking. That's why we've created a brand new downloadable devotional resource that's perfect for the Easter season featuring these questions and Tom's answers. This five-day devotional journey titled Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return is only available to friends like you as our thanks for your gift today. And remember, your support is truly critical to help keep resources and podcasts like Ask N.T. Write Anything and Unbelievable going strong because this ministry is completely funded by friends like you. So please give the very best gift you can and make sure to download your copy of Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return devotional at premierinsight.org forward slash ntwrite. That's premierinsight.org forward slash ntwrite. Thank you. Here's um, another sort of practical question about what what exactly heaven is mm-hmm. um brett in atlanta mm-hmm. georgia mm-hmm. says uh, thanks for all your work especially the books and by the way i should always say if you ever don't hear me uh, quoting people uh, introducing their their question with i love you tom and well, <laughs> thank you for everything it's usually because i've just um uh, edited it out yes, we can Absolutely assume do. that everyone yes, yes, <laughs> is yes. a big fan but anyway um question though what do you think of people's near-death experiences where they claim to have seen heaven do you think it's possible they have seen and experienced the heavenly realm some of the people who claim these stories are quite credible in their work lives and highly educated and adamantly stick to their stories and we've seen actually quite a few books published along this idea of someone who claims to have sure. died had some near-death sure. experience seen some vision of heaven sure. um uh, so yeah what do you make of those and how does that relate to if, if it is credible to, to the, yeah. the new creation. I, I had a pupil when I was teaching in Canada who had been um, uh, working with Air Canada because during the war he'd been an airline pilot, a, a fighter pilot, mm. and had been shot down and was clinically dead and had had an experience like that where he almost went and was then actually told, you've got to come back, I've got things for you to do. Right. So he went and then worked for the airline but always knew that when he'd finished raising his family he was going to go into ministry and he was about to be made a, a vice president of Air Canada and he went into the office and said no handing in my notices and I was teaching him New Testament Greek right. poor chap at the Gosh. age of sort of 40 or something um, he'd but, obviously gone to purgatory <laughs> well it was quite difficult at that age but but I mean for him this was a moment of vocation yes and I have absolutely no reason to doubt that but what I want to say is we are not I don't think we are given in this life um, a kind of actual portrait of Mm. what the future will be Mm. i think there are moments and people who have ministered more than i have with people on their deathbeds will say that very often somebody who is lingering between life and death seems to be experiencing something of uh, seeing and meeting people 
it's impossible to tell i think um, in terms of psychology and physiology whether that is simply the fantasies of a mind that is actually mm. close to death or whether it is actually a reality mm. i'm perfectly happy to say that god can use even the fantasies of a diseased mm. and sick brain mm. to reveal things to, mm. to to people why not um so i don't want to say this then enables us to say this validates the normal western assumptions about heaven but i want to say yes it may well be that god is giving these people a vision that whatever happens to them he will love them it'll be wonderful he will look after them there is a whole new world waiting but it shouldn't be allowed to undermine the biblical teaching which is not about going to heaven but about new mm. creation and that that's the danger that these stories are just there it is so just wait around for death because it's all going to be glorious yeah. afterwards. Uh, it reminds me of that that moment in uh, you'll have to um give me the, the exact bible reference but but is it paul who says i knew a man who talked about oh being i, I know man in christ is second uh, corinthians 12 yes yes uh, and people think that probably was paul uh, uh, probably, kind of yes, alluding yes, to himself yes. in, but that's in that's a vision it wasn't an, as far right. as we know it wasn't what we would call a near-death experience right. but yes paul is rather keen to say um yeah i know a chap to whom and by the way i'm not allowed to tell you what he <laughs> saw and and he heard words but i'm not allowed to tell you what he yeah. that's a way of saying to the corinthians don't get fixated on okay, this stuff right amazing visions happen and yes i've actually had some but the most important thing was i got the thorn in the flesh right, yes <laughs> no i, I get yeah, that yeah. good um okay um here's another interesting take on this and i'm not expecting you to, <laughs> to have read the book or seen the tv series in fact i've i've read the book a long time ago but not not actually caught up with the tv series um tim in atlanta georgia says um i've uh, read your book tom evil and the justice of god mm. three mm. times and mm. taught an adult formation class on it at my church but recently i watched the series on amazon good omens based on a book by neil gaiman and terry pratchett while beautifully done as a piece of fiction it draws heavily on christian eschatology the over overarching theme of the series is that the world is pretty much okay as it is and evil does not need to be defeated in the end because that would actually destroy the world and all the good things in it does tom have any opinion on the series or words of advice for people who want to discuss the problem of evil or eschatology with those who think the world is okay the way it is i'm going to assume wow. you haven't well, read the book or seen the series uh, yeah, i'm afraid uh, i haven't I, I i don't watch a lot of stuff on screens and i haven't read the book um but uh, it seems to me that to those who have even a short memory, and my memory only goes back to the middle of the 20th century, but anyone who can remember most of the 20th century would just say, you've got to be kidding. You know, we have seen immense evil. Um, the First World War, uh, when, you, when you look at what happened and why it happened and how it worked out, um, it really does seem to be more than the sum total of all the foolish actions and decisions of all the people involved. Seems to have been a, a rushing together of folly, blindness, inhumane stuff, etc. And then when you look at the 1930s and see both what was going on in the Soviet Union and what was going on in Nazi Germany, and then you say the world is basically all right mm. as it is, mm. as though a little bit more education and we'll all be all right. Um, uh, you know, I'm sorry that th there are there are deep things wrong in the world. The rise of Islamism um, as a modern phenomenon—it's not like ancient Islam; it's Islamism. Mm. Um, 
that has all sorts of signs of a deep sickness which is partly a response to the arrogance of of western culture Mm. etc etc we're wrestling with enormous issues we were talking in a previous um, uh, 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 in a previous episode about climate change and so on Um, I find it extraordinary that anyone would say the world is pretty much okay as it is now of course if you then swing the other way and, bec- and produce a very negative eschatology mm. where everything is going horribly wrong mm. and we're all about to die, etc. Mm. You want say, hang on, hang mm. on. There is beauty, there is justice, there is love, there is life, there is laughter. Yes, there is. But let's have the full picture yeah. of both, yeah. please. I mean, I, I get the sense, and I'm, I'm trying to cast my mind back to reading the book, but the, mm-hmm. the part of the question is this idea that actually, well evil and suffering is kind of part and parcel of what this world is and so you don't yeah, expect yeah, it to yeah, suddenly yeah, all yeah. be that's um you well, know made better as though we can somehow yes, live in a world yes, without any of that yes stuff. yes no i get that um and and of course that's part of the ancient philosophy called stoicism mm. um where uh, and it's also part of um, what people like leibniz said in the in the 17th century that, that this is the best of all possible worlds right. so get used to it right and uh um, various of the Enlightenment philosophers look back at that and say, mm, is this really the best? You know, it's Voltaire's mm. complaint. Is this really the best of all possible worlds? And, and Voltaire quoted the Lisbon earthquake. Yeah. So, so this, is, this is the sort of thing that happens in the best of all possible worlds, that just on the day when everyone goes mm. to church, there's a massive earthquake mm. and they all get crushed by falling buildings. Uh, what's that about? And so th- th- this, this discussion is a secular analogue of the Christian debates about providence and the way that God runs mm. the world. And that's always been quite a big question for Christian theologians, that, that if God is the creator, mm. then why is the world like this? And to draw back and say, well, it's all part of a, a, a bigger pattern. Um, if that was so, why did Jesus weep at the tomb of Lazarus? You know, you've got to have a worldview which has room for the tears of Jesus at the grave of his friend, even though Jesus knows that he's prayed for him and he's going to raise him from the dead. Um, and the rich density of that double experience in the Gospels, I think, has got to be a feature. Um, and that that's painful to hold on to. Mm. We would like to be able to say, oh, well, it'll all work out, it'll all pan out. But actually, that's trivializing. I wouldn't dare say that to somebody who was just recently bereaved or whatever. Yeah. We will get to animals in heaven, but the, the one thing that I wanted to ask, and, and other people have yes. asked um, in regard to this this way of seeing the, the new creation and and the fact that at one level we are working towards that. We're yeah. being part of God's new creation plan in the way we do our work, yes. do our art. Yes. Do, you know, we're, we're, we're wanting to, to bring that future into the present, yes. if you yes. like. But to what extent is it dependent on us and to what extent is it dependent on God who will ultimately bring everything together? I mean, I've even heard some people sort of take your theology and and take it a bit further and say, well, actually, whatever the new creation is, we'll be the ones creating it. It'll be some kind of where we finally get the technology right and we can all live in a kind of abundant world Mm -hmm, and and mm -hmm. it doesn't involve any supernatural Mm -hmm, intervention mm -hmm. in a sense it's all from our own efforts that we'll get there again this is the trouble that we divide things into natural or supernatural which is again sorry to sound like crack grammar from record this is an 18th century fancy that you've got natural and supernatural never the twain shall meet in the middle ages the word supernatural always meant things which are meshing with the natural world but in which God seems to be doing something 
more and greater than he normally does mm. but it's not either or it's both working together and there's been all sorts of mistakes and muddles when you pull those apart so i want to say even if it was true that when God finally does his new creation, it'll be us who are doing it, that would be because God, by his spirit, is at work in and through us. Mm. Part of the problem here is that we've not really been Trinitarian in our thinking. Mm. Um, that actually so many of these debates go back to the 18th and 19th century when theology was really all about who is God the creator, who is God the father, and then maybe you bring in Jesus if you can, and maybe if you're lucky you bring in the spirit as well. We've got to be more robustly Trinitarian and say God does what God wants to do, and quite a lot of what God wants to do in the world and for the world, he wants to do through wise, obedient human beings. How do wise, obedient human mm -hmm. beings get to be wise obedient human beings through the work of the spirit based on the death and resurrection of christ um so that uh, ultimately it shouldn't be an either or paul says i worked harder than all of them but it wasn't me it was the grace of god that was with me we have to go on saying both and, of those and, things and it strikes me that whatever that new creation will look like i mean in a sense god proactively bringing people back into this new creation to be part of it in some physical sense yeah, yeah. inevitably requires something that I'm guessing is going to go beyond our human ingenuity well, uh, at some course, point. Of course, um, of course, but, but. of course. Just, just, just like Easter itself is a shock. But, but I mean, th there is a sense you need to go back to the road to Emmaus and the yes. two who are so sad and and mm. and these women have told us that they've seen a vision of angels who say is alive. But of course, you don't believe that stuff. And Jesus says, "How foolish you are! You just haven't read the text." Mm. And tells them a story again, mm. and it's a sort of, Duh, mm. of course. And I think. In the new day, when it dawns, there will be that both and. There will be, oh dear, it's all gone horribly wrong. And then suddenly, oh my goodness, if only we'd had our eyes opened all along. Let's finally get to, uh, do all dogs go to heaven? The, <laughs> the classic question. But it's a serious one for yeah, many yeah, people. Yeah, As yeah. I said at the beginning, people, tr you know, for many people, their animals, their pets are like part sure, of the family. Sure, of course they are. Um, uh, I've got a couple of people asking similar questions. Caden says, what do you think about animals mm -hmm, in heaven? Mm -hmm. Will pets and wildlife be recognizable on, on the, the new, new earth? earth yes. Or will God create them anew? What does the Bible say about this? And William in Seattle brings it down to earth mm -hmm. uh, with, I have an 11-year-old, very tender-hearted little girl whose mm -hmm. dog recently died. Her good friend told her that animals don't have souls, so she would not see her dog again in heaven. She asked me if that was true, mm -hmm. and I don't know what to tell her. While this is not one of those deep theological questions you tend to tackle, an answer to give my grieving daughter would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, uh, the Bible says, as far as I'm aware, absolutely nothing about this particular question, partly because this is asked in a very modern framework, mm -hmm. and particularly the question of whether dogs have souls. I mean, the idea of the soul is a platonic idea, which you don't find in the New Testament in that form. So from that point of view, we don't have souls in that sense. When the Bible talks about soul as applied to us, the word psuche, soul in Greek, refers to the Hebrew word nephesh, which is more like what we would mean by a person or a personality, the real me. So I think I want to say something like this, that when a human being loves and cares for an animal, and when that animal responds to that love and care, there is a bond between them, which is part of who that human being is, just as when 
somebody loves God, there is a bond between them and God, which we call the Holy Spirit, mm. and the Holy Spirit looks after that person until the resurrection. And I don't see any reason at all why looking after that person shouldn't include incorporating by a kind of overflow of grace a looking after of the animals birds whatever that that person has loved and brought joy to in this life so uh, you could start the question from the other end and say if god the creator made a world which included uh, giraffes and whales and grasshoppers and and all these crazy things fancy mm. making mm. a world with mm. all these weird and wonderful creatures is it likely that the new creation would be sort of boring mm. and flat and wouldn't have creatures mm. like that in it? Mm. It seems to me far more likely that there will be an abundance of mm. all sorts of creatures being gloriously themselves and sharing in all kinds of relationships with God's human creatures, and that in the middle of that, there will be a little girl or perhaps an, an older woman by <laughs> then who will recognize among the plethora of delighted creatures a dog to whom she gave love and and mm. and companionship and who returned that favor i don't see why that shouldn't be so well i hope that's given some comfort and may do to your 11 year old daughter william um these are big questions and uh in a sense we engage our imagination mm, as we sure. begin to, to peer into the fog of what, of what that new creation might be but um it's been really fun to do it with Great. you today tom thank you very much thank you and thanks again for all of your questions again uh, you'll hear the ways to get in touch with the show if you want to ask more of your own on future editions of the program but we'll see you again next time thank you Thanks for being with us on today's edition of the show. Do come back next time for questions on the Apostle Paul, which, of course, is a strength of Tom's particularly. So uh, we're looking forward to hearing some of the questions you've asked and the answers that Tom will be giving. Thanks very much for being with us on today's edition of the show, and we'll see you next time.